Welcome to the Grace World Podcast. I'm Dan Hewitt. And I'm Becky, his wife. This is episode 116. Greetings and salutations. Greetings. How are you this effluvious day? Oh my goodness. That's probably not a good word. That's what you said last time. What does effluvious mean? No, I said mel- mellifluous last time. Okay, what is effluvious? No, I meant you said it's probably not a good word, and then it was. What's effluvious? Effluvious. Does it have to do with wastewater or something? I you don't just, know. Are you making uh, these words up? I am not. <laughs> so I can look. Wastewater. That'd be exciting. Effluvious. An invisible emanation, especially an offensive exhalation or smell. So no, I am not having an effluvious day. That's great. I'm glad you're not having <laughs> Hopefully an, none of y'all out there are eff- either. Effluescent. All right. Well, I hope everybody's having a better day than that. So. Me too. We have, Happy Labor Day weekend. Oh, yeah. We're having. Rest oh, weekend. Oh, yeah. I guess theoretically I may or may not do work tomorrow. We'll see. Okay. So that remains to be seen. So Dan has a little. We had <clears throat> some conversation based on some things that he. Uh, a, a podcast and then a Bible scripture reading that he had a bible thing so you get a combination rehash no it's not a rehash it's a amalgamation of ideas on leadership from first peter chapter three and the navy seals so there you go there we go a mashup what it's a mashup of leadership so actually i listened to a pod is actually the art of manliness they had an episode with a guy that's a Navy SEAL on leadership, and basically he wrote a book called Leadership is Overrated, which is a interesting title. And he talked a lot about team stuff, and we'll get back to that. But the other thing that happened this week is I was reading First Peter, and I got to the chapter 3 where <clears throat> I'm going to start in the middle of it, and then we'll work our way outward on all the context and all that kind of stuff, because what caught my eye was... A certain word, and I actually fell for the very trick that I think is the point of all this conversation here. Okay, thank you for so setting that up So let's see nicely. here, First Peter 3. So he goes back to the very beginning. Um, well, no, actually, it says, Husbands be, this is like First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. It says, Husbands in the same way be considered as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner, or some say weaker vessel. And I thought, I want to go look up that word and see what it means. And I ended up going down a rabbit trail of people trying to explain it for various things. Which word? The weaker part. What does weaker mean? And after I read enough commentaries, I realized I fell for part of the ploy, which is sometimes we get so tied up trying to find the specifics and it's sometimes it's really good to go read the specifics of certain words um but sometimes that just throws us off the trail of uh the main meaning of of the context you know so what i was trying to find here is what's the point of this chapter and i think the value of what the word weaker means isn't that important I mean, I, that can may come as shocking to some people. We'll go, what? You know, and what happens is because we, we will tend to try to find the word we like and the definition we like based on our 
personal biases, you know. So historically in the church, a lot of time, you know, the last hundred years, it's probably been very much of a male dominated and women are over men and they're the they're all weak and stuff. And so men have to take care of them, et cetera, et cetera. And then now in the very modern times, we've kind of probably swung to the opposite where, hey, there's no differences between men and women. It's we're all the same. And the answer is neither of those two are correct. There are differences and we are different. But the whole point of the chapter isn't about weakness and strength. It's actually about respect and treating other people and understanding where they're at. And so to focus on the fact of weakness is to get way out of whack with what the point is because then it's like we just have arguments over are men stronger than women and so forth and how much and if so and are they in charge and who's in control and then we get into all these weird things of leadership in the home and the man's in charge and the woman has to submit to his authority always and it's just not a healthy place and so I want to combine that with some thoughts on the team stuff that I heard from the Navy SEALs So this is where the SEAL guy came from. Basically, he said the way a small SEAL team works is it's five to eight people, like if they're doing an assault or a specific action. And everybody has something to do and responsibilities, but there is a team leader. But one of the things they do in training is they call it kill the leader. And their goal there is to say, what happens if the leader dies? What does the team do? And this is where I think is the interesting part is we need to make sure everybody knows what they're doing, what the point is, what the mission is, how we're going to accomplish it. And everybody needs to know. And by testing to make sure everybody can be involved, we're stripping away that idea that there's the one leader who knows everything that's in charge in the sense of I'm going to control everybody. And rather, it's we're a team trying to go somewhere and accomplish something. And somebody may be involved that can point the finger and say, hey, you go this way, you go that way, or that has a specific part of the vision and so forth. But I think one of the big things we do with leadership is we really miss the boat on what is the point of leadership. And I think very much we often go to the goal... (laughs) of being the leader is I get to be in charge. I get to control or I get the promotions or I go up when the real goal of leadership is I'm helping the rest of the people around me to grow as individuals. And as you said, I'm helping myself to grow. So the whole point of the team of life of all of this stuff, and even going back to the church as a body is growth How do we help each other all grow? And true leadership is saying, I'm trying to pass things on so that other people are successful too, that other people are healthy too, that other people are living in abundance too, and that they also can help me. And when we always want to try to go back to a hierarchical model, and that's our, if that's our fundamental mindset is there is a hierarchy of people then that sets in place, I think, a lot of things in our head about the other people, right? Because then we have, I'm better or worse, right? If I'm the top of the chain, then I'm the better person. And they're the people that are lesser in some manner. 
And I think that's weaker. where, a lot of, yeah, weaker, whatever. And I think that's where a lot of the conflicts come in is because we've stratified or hierarchicalized relationships. And I think Jesus came in and basically said, the relationships aren't that way. It's, I love you. There you go. <laughs> you know. Well, and what we've been mulling around lately with the whole uh, Trinity and perichoresis in thinking that there isn't a hierarchy in the Godhead. Which I, yeah. Most of the time when I remember learning about the Trinity, there was always a triangle. Yeah. Which, Bless excuse me. Um, which you could flip and turn mm -hmm. so that there wasn't necessarily turn somebody in the top, uh -huh. you know, so there wasn't a whatever. So I think, I think some of that is coming from some of our ideas about leadership being hierarchical came from that perception of the Trinity that God, the father was over or above Jesus Christ and the Holy spirit, mm -hmm. which we are, we are proposing these days. That is not the case that they are all completely equal and have and fulfill different roles, but right. mostly their their purpose is to show love in relationship, you, not to show yeah. a hierarchy. In of fact, I even broke leadership. free of that because we always I that's one of the difficulties. We want to say equal that God is, is they're all equal with each other as though it's something. And I think their point I'm starting to realize is they don't need to be measured. You know, because we're trying. Well, well, then what does equal mean? Does equal mean they're the same? You know, are they all identical? You know, well, if they're not identical, then are you sure that they're one's not better than the other or higher or whatever? And that's again, we get caught in that trap of differences imply hierarchy. And it's just that's not how it works. Which is interesting because, you know, my mind automatically goes to theology whenever mm -hmm. I'm thinking about big ideas philosophies uh anything that is more than just a fact on a piece of paper or something I, I always go to a spiritual understanding that's where my mind naturally goes and i think i'm not the only one because our paradigms are shaped by our theology whether mm -hmm. we like it or not paradigms are shaped Right. By theology. And everybody has theology like it or not. Uh, it's what, yes, that's what yeah. I mean. So whatever your theology is, you know, the fact that you, what you just said, that differences means hierarchy, that came, that mode of thinking came from theology. Yeah. Long time ago. Bad theology. Well, good, bad, or indifferent. Right. It came from theology. And yeah. so what what we're doing now is trying to understand uh, first theology. We talk a lot about theology on this podcast. And to be honest, grace is not a new theology. It wasn't a new theology when Jesus died. Grace has always been a part of God. Mm -hmm. Just manifested in different ways or accentuated or not in different ways before Christ died. So even what we talk about isn't a new thing. It's just a shift. The shift went, after Christ died, the shift went to 
to grace and to love. Jesus, Jesus came and brought that shift. It wasn't a new thing, even though he does say it's a new covenant. I think that's a vernacular thing, maybe not necessarily a factual thing. Well, it's a new contract, but it doesn't mean everything in it is a new idea. That's what I mean. Yeah. So, so that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. so our paradigm is grace. We like to look at everything through the lens of grace. We are not, we are, sometimes we are hypocrites. I realize that we are not perfect what? in it. We, we judge and we have decisions based on judgments. I freely admit that that happens in our lives, Dan and I, but we try to bring our understanding of things, situations, people, life through the lens of grace, because that stirs in us a freedom and a way to live that brings health and growth and goodness. Okay. So now back to the leadership thing. Um, Mm-hmm. And the hierarchy thing, uh, the the modern times that we live in, the new, <laughs> to use our vernacular from last week, the new millennium that we live in, I think is trying to undo a lot of those hierarchies. And has, this has been going on for several hundred years, to be honest, with the world wars that have happened. And I mean, always there is, with the revolutions that happened, um, even before the world wars, people don't like the idea of hierarchy. And, and I'm intrigued by that because as we are discovering, if God is not in a hierarchical, hierarchical, however you say that, that's correct. Hierarchical system. If God is not in that system, then why are we, and we are always bucking against (laughs) authority or bucking against somebody having power over us or bucking Mm -hmm. against, which to wrap it back around in a nice neat little bow what you're saying is well let's talk about what leadership really is then right is it a hierarchical <laughs> i can't say that <laughs> word hierarchical use mr concept Lips. yes and i think because of the vernacular of that first peter passage and how many 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 of us who call ourselves christians live and lived in that being that means the man is the one that makes the decisions and that means the man is the one who has the power and he's the one who um, makes the money and he's the one who has all of the vision and he's the one who we're we're the followers after the leader that's being questioned right as other systems in our society are being questioned this one too, and, and this is not a new thing either, right? But, but it's in our it's in our mirror this week, so we're looking at it. Um, so then, what does leadership mean, Mr. Hewitt? Well, I, you know, I wanted to make sure I, I got to correct something that I said, or make sure I don't sound too. There is hierarchy in the universe, you know, and there is even some hierarchy at some level in relationships, in company, and work. But real leadership... Well, well, then what do you mean by hierarchy? There's angels. There's archangels. There are seraphim, cherubim, and each of those have a different position and relationship in their nearness, actually. And, you know, the Bible describes them and how they are around God and so forth. Um, there is does seem to be a difference in how much authority certain ones have. Okay, the president th- has more authority than I have in certain areas. Okay, the so CEO uh, wait, stop for a second. So, I like that you're using the word authority. Yeah. Which is why we say mm-hmm. God cannot be in a hierarchical 
relationship because one does not have more authority than the other, right? Right. They don't, yeah, they're not in charge of each other. But the whole point of this thing today is not to say there is no, because actually I, I listened to the guy and, it, you know, his thing is leadership is overrated, but it, it doesn't say there is no leadership and it doesn't say there is no structure. But what it's saying is if you're, if you're attempting to force leadership and force control and force decision making and jam that down people's throats, you don't have an effective team. You don't have an effective organization. You have a dysfunctional organization. So the point of leadership is not control and dominance. The point of leadership is actually, as Jesus would say, if you want to be great in the kingdom, you have to be the servant of all. So the true leadership is, I understand how to get my other people to do what it is that they do that they do well and to encourage them and help them to grow. I remember when we, 25 years ago, we had a contract with Motorola to go build a simulation and they had a manager there named Neil Philiber who we worked with. And he was the first guy I've ever heard do this. He basically was a manager who, he managed our contract and the team. And he basically said, my job is to get rid of roadblocks in your way and do whatever it takes so that you guys are successful and your work gets done. Tell me what I need to do to make you successful. That was leadership. That's the bot. That was our boss. Okay. So he is a boss said his job is to make sure that we can do our job. You know, and it wasn't about, well, I'm going to tell you guys what to do. And here's my list of things I'm going to have you do. And yeah, obviously we had a contract and there's a plan, but his focus was on how do I get you everything you need to be successful? That's good. Yeah. I smiled when you said Neil Philibert because I remember you've always talked with fondness about him. Yeah. There's few people that you go, you bump into in your career that you're like, oh, that guy really gets what he's doing. And it made you want to work for him. Yeah. And right. to do well, to do what you needed to do because you you trusted him. Yeah. You trusted that the work that you brought to him and the things, the way that he needed the simulation to work and whatever was going to be a, a process that you guys were working together and, and achieving good work, not feeling like you were constantly going to be harangued because of something you did or didn't do or um, a afraid of repercussions. You know, it, there was just an ease and a flow in the work so that you could actually enjoy doing the work and growing and doing what you needed to do. Right. You know, and I think that's what a great leader does. I was actually got to meet... Um, a couple weeks ago, a four-star general came to our office who was a, he was the only Air Force general to run SOCOM, all this, all of special ops. And he's one of those guys that was intelligent, thoughtful, and whatever, and we're like, you know, how did you do stuff? And he's like, he goes, I assume that these are the best professionals in the world and they know what they need. I just let them tell me what they want and I make sure they have the money to get it. Yeah, so another guy that Yeah, really you know, and it's it. that I understand that we have a good group of people there. And so part of that is 
in an organization, and an organization can be your marriage, marriage. (laughs) and it can be your family, whatever. It's to say, how do I develop these people to reach their potentials, to find out who they are, to see what the vision and mission is for their life, and how to get them to um, be most supported to help them accomplish that. And I think that's a real challenge in a family is to say, (laughs) how do I make that happen? Well, you don't. You don't. You do get to do a certain amount of encouragement. You get to facilitate. You get to do some leadership even. You get to do some instruction. But there's a certain amount, and especially... Are you talking like with children at this point? I'm mainly saying kids. I'm thinking more kids. Because I think actually you as parents then have to partner in that on how to make that happen. And each of you have obviously a place and a way to do that. And the both of you aren't the same. And you can each bring something to the table on that. But I, I just think that this is a way to say, how do you help? And I wish we could have done that even earlier with our kids. I think we got to do some of that. But help them discover who they really are and what their purpose is. Because I think if you can help them get that and help them get accomplished along the way to that, it's a huge thing for their entire lives. So, hey, kids, help it. Let me help you. I think you. we did already. We did. We I did. I think they're all fulfilling some huge purposes in oh, their right. life right now. This is right not now. to say they're not. No, no, no. That, I hope that didn't sound like that. I'm just double no. checking there. No, I was hoping we could even, uh, never mind. It'll just sound, it, that sounds negative. <laughs> I know. It wasn't. So it was actually intended to, to sound positive, but it didn't sound that way, apparently. So... All right. So um, which do you want to focus on leading a team like in your career or marriage? Because those were the two things. Probably marriage if we're going to get back to Peter. Although I think, you know, as much as we read and even that, right, we read that and it says, you know, husbands and wives then always have slaves and masters. Paul does the same thing. Uh, Actually, slaves and masters come before husbands and wives in Peter. Okay. Same. But the point is, he's basically saying. How do relationships work? They work with honor, respect, loving God, walking with God. Well, let's just read the Bible. Okay, we can go back. I'm so going to read the Passion version because okay. I like the ver- I like the flow of how they connect the thoughts without it feeling clunky or churchy. I'm going to start in First Peter two. Around 20. I'm going to start at one. Holy cow, we're going to be here a while. This is context. All right. So, abandon every form of evil, deceit, hypocrisy, feelings of jealousy, and slander. In the same way that nursing infants cry for milk, you must intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word. For this milk will cause you to grow into maturity, fully nourished, and strong for life especially now that you have had a taste of the goodness of Yahweh and have experienced his kindness. Okay, stop. Just want to say, what's our point so far? Going in goodness, right? Relationship in goodness. Yeah, you can trust that you are okay. that growing into maturity is good, and that God has okay. kindness to offer you as you go in that. So keep coming to Him, who is the living stone. Though He, the living stone, being Christ, was rejected and discarded by men, but chosen by God and is priceless in God's sight. Come and be His living stones who are continually being assembled into a sanctuary for God. For now you serve as holy priests 
offering up spiritual sacrifices that he readily accepts through Jesus Christ. Okay, so you have a purpose, you have identity, and you have purpose. So this is our generic purpose so far. Okay. For it says in scripture, look, I lay a cornerstone in Zion, a chosen and priceless stone, and whoever believes in him will certainly not be disappointed. As believers, you know his great worth. Indeed, his preciousness is imparted to you. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected and discarded has now become the cornerstone. For those who do not believe, the stone is a stone that the builders rejected and discarded has now become the cornerstone and a stone that makes them stumble and a rock to trip over. They keep stumbling over the message because they refuse to believe it. And this they were destined to do. But you are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. Okay, that's and pretty, now he claims you as his very and kings, own. Critical stuff there for identity as we go into this relational stuff. We're already priests and kings. Mm-hmm. And I am blipping over the destined to do God's chosen, all that kind of stuff. I don't have good answers for that. We don't have good answers for that. Definitely not in time in this podcast to discuss, but it doesn't matter if you, at this point, if you are listening to this podcast, you are chosen because mm-hmm. you are chosen to, un- to be at this time and place of knowing that you are fully God's treasure. You are God's chosen treasure. Mm -hmm. So where was I? He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders through the world. For at one time you were not God's people, but now you are. And at one time you knew nothing of God's mercy, but you hadn't received it yet then, and now you were drenched with it. My divinely loved friends, since you are resident aliens and foreigners in this world, I appeal to you to divorce yourselves from the evil desires that wage war within you. Live honorable lives as you mix with unbelievers, even though they accuse you of being evildoers, for they will see your beautiful works and have a reason to glorify God in the day he visits us. In order to honor the Lord, you must respect and defer to the authority of every human institution, whether it be the highest ruler or the governor he puts in place to punish lawbreakers and to praise those who do what's right. For it is God's will for you to silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing what is right. As God's loving servants, you should live in complete freedom, but never use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Recognize the value of every person and continually show love to every believer. Live your lives with great reverence and in holy awe of God and honor your rulers. So he's obviously talking... Mm -hmm. He's talking in general terms, but I think he was also addressing issues that were going on in the day with the way that they were under Roman rule and what they had to do to to live freely and still mm-hmm. obey the rules of the governors and all that kind of stuff. Not that that has anything to do with how we live today and we just live with all kinds of freedom from our governors and from our uh, politicians and they they all believe God and so we can just live freely so yes. I don't know. The Bible doesn't have anything to do with us these days. Are you days. being sarcastic? <laughs> Took you a minute to look at me and I'm actually like, see. <laughs> it's like, what the heck? What's going okay. on with my wife? So the point of this is you get to have your own place of uh, of honor for yourself and lead yourself in that. Mm-hmm. Grow yourself in that. And as you do, it will affect the relationships that you have, whether it's relationships with other people in intimate ways, like husband and wife, 
And slaves and masters is a different kind of relationship where you're actually serving for reals, like actually serving mm-hmm. somebody else by bringing them, their, you know, doing their work on their farm or bringing them meals or whatever that serving thing doing is. Doing my laundry. You get to be full of god you get to you get to be full of goodness you get Mm -hmm. to be full of love you are a royal priesthood in other words you even if somebody accuses you of being an evil doer you get to live honorably you get to understand that you are drenched in the mercy of god and you live in marvelous light he is he is with you he is Mm -hmm. you know so all of these freedoms and whatever i think are important to understand when you're thinking about somebody being a leader. Right. So in a marriage relationship, we are more traditional in our relationship. We don't call each other partners, although we view each other as partners. We call each other husband and wife. Mm-hmm. And for the past 36 years, for the most part, Dan has the vision, the big vision. And he says, as of now, I would I like him in charge. Kind of, he does. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I do what I can to no. accommodate his vision and balk when I don't like his vision or, balk. you know, he doesn't. Yep. No, we, we, talk we out, have a lot of conversations, do, but yeah. for the most part, we have a traditional marriage right. where, where I, I don't consider myself weaker except for when it comes to snakes. He did. He did have to take care of the snakes in our yard the past couple of weeks. I could do if I had to. I Actually, handi- what I would do is pull the plug and on that pond and just get rid of the pond. But I was handling snakes this week. Just that's. We'll just say that. That's what I'm saying. That yep. like, he. I I gladly deferred that job to him. Not necessarily because he was strong, because he didn't really like doing it either, but just because it was really yucky and he. He was nice to me and he took care of that issue. <laughs> but that that isn't really like so leadership, I think. Right. So I wanted to, to read in the Passion Version some of the notes that they say in here about wives and that whole weakness business. Let's see if I can find it now again. Um, Okay, I want to read these notes. Now, I know some people don't like the Passion Version. This is just somebody's interpretation. So that's, you can take this, you can skip ahead and not even listen if you don't want to hear these. But I find these kind of interesting. So I do believe that as a whole, it is easier for women to be in touch with their emotions than it is for men. Now, I think a lot of things are changing in our culture that men are becoming more and more aware of mental health and how to... Um, relate to what's going on inside of them and whatever. But as a mm-hmm. whole, I think it's naturally easier for women to be more in tune to relational things. Okay, so here's the notes. Husbands, you in turn must treat your wives with tenderness or with intimate insight, realistically with considerateness, considerateness. That is, with consideration of what they desire and delight in, not ignorant of their preferences. And I don't think it just means, do you like coffee with cream or not? Not those kinds of preferences. I think it means, do you pay attention to what your wife is sensing about your relationship or about what's going on Mm -hmm. with other members of the family? 
that that this is a place where we are not created equal and and men oh, uh, the same not equal we are created equal we are not created the same and it is good for men to pay attention to women or if in your relationship it is the other way around where maybe the man is more in tune to the relational things than the woman which is fine however that goes don't poo poo the relation the person that is more in tune with what's going on relationally with the people around you and defer to them and and be considerate of what they desire and delight in and how they are they are living their life right in whether it's nurture to the children or paying attention to relationships in uh, the church with friendships mm-hmm. or whatever all right so there's one yeah way to think of you that know, I a think little I, bit I would just love to dispose of the words equal or same entirely and just recognize we're different and it and it doesn't have to be a better or worse thing. Everybody's different. And so equal is trying to somehow say that they're measured in some standard. And the reality is we're not measured in some standard. So equality or even equity are not, they're not words that are needed here. That's not what the goal is. You are equity you. Equity is not the goal. Right? You are you and you have your place. I am me and I have my place. There's overlap in ways we do things. There's differences in the way we do things. And we need to respect and honor that in how we work together. You know, I want to just jump in on the, if I can. Um, I taught this a lot in prison because we talked about, because I'd hit these verses a lot various times. And, you know, a guy can sit there and talk about leadership or authority in the home all he wants but the reality is this if a man thinks he can just go make decisions arbitrarily without the input of his wife he's a moron he's just an abject idiot who thinks him controlling and just being in charge of running everything that is not a healthy place to be i mean every i would say almost everything we've ever decided was decided because we are in agreement on it and we've talked it through and generally as a behavior, if you can't come to an agreement, you probably shouldn't move forward on that until you guys can come into agreement. Because that leadership doesn't mean, hey, I need to ram this down your throat. There might be a couple of things in our entire marriage where it was like, nope, this is how it has to be that I've had to say that. And I mean, I can't even think of any off the top of my head, but I know there was a couple somewhere along there where it was like, we couldn't come to agreement. And I said, this is how it has to be because of this. Um, Usually it was a financial decision, probably a house decision. I don't know what it was, but you know, it's so infrequent, I can't even remember. So, but the point is, you better be working as partners, working together on these things. So back to you on this, continue on your verse there. Okay. Okay. Okay, so husbands, treat your wives with tenderness, viewing them as feminine. And this note definitely, again, is just interpretation, but maybe Mm -hmm. it will give us some perspective. The note says, um, in the Greek, and as Dan read it from the NIV, it says weaker vessel, okay? Which is possible idiom for weaker livelihood. Widows and female orphans were horribly disadvantaged in the time this was written. 
Without an advocate, women were often oppressed by corrupt political officials. However, in Aramaic, which is not Greek, it's right. it's the Hebrew version of the Greek, right? It's sort of Hebrew mixed stuff. Okay. Back to the, yeah. So in the Aramaic, the native language of Peter, the word for weaker is makal, which means weak, but weak only in the sense of a debtor who has been paid off so he has no power over you and is weakened. Makal carries the idea of ne neutralizing a threat. The Aramaic word for vessel is mana and is taken from the Phoenician word for clothing. Its etymological root comes from Phoenician word for the outrigging of a ship, like a sail, a rudder, or an anchor. Peter may be describing the wife as the outrigging of the marriage that helps keep the relationship on course and Get moving. It, ship. I know. I think that's funny. They deserve these part. These partners deserve to be honored, for they are co-heirs with you of the divine grace of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Uh, and then he says, this is the goal. I'm in verse eight. Now this is the goal to live in harmony with one another and demonstrate affectionate love, sympathy and kindness toward other believers. Let humility describe who you are as you dearly love one another. Yeah. The whole point of this is, and, and then if you continue on in Peter, he's talking about suffering. So there's a lot of suffering going on in this time for Christians uh, especially outside of the temple and not necessarily so much persecution. I mean, there was persecution going on for Jews under the Roman empire, but as far, I think a lot of Peter's paradigm is that he's actually talking about as the Christians came, started to rebel against the law of the synagogues. They were being persecuted. They mm -hmm. were being cast out from their communities <clears throat> They were not being yeah. accepted anymore as God followers. And that persecution was causing them a lot of distress because it, it did separate them from their communities and from, you know, who their families even. Yeah. And that's, that's hard. It's hard to live disconnected from your community that you've lived with for so long. Um, but he's, he's calling them to a higher purpose and saying, guess what? Your community is really Jesus. Your community is really understanding and living in love and goodness with, uh, with God through Jesus Christ. And so attach yourself to that. Yeah. Be attached to the gracious living of what Jesus just demonstrated while he was here on the earth and let the love that Jesus brought in the way that he shined light on the grace and love of God that had not been there for a long time in a big way anyway. Let that be your your sense of of self, your sense of order, your sense of belongingness, mm -hmm. your sense of understanding of how to grow and live in goodness and health and freedom and not try to keep that, not try to keep your connection to your community so much, your old community or your old way of thinking, um, because the new way of thinking is actually going to bring honor into the world, going to bring the kingdom into the world as Christ preached. Yeah. So, so, so le leaders, leaders from the, I mean, that, it, that would definitely have been applicable to the way that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were trying to lead the Jews. Mm -hmm. And he's, and he's addressing it not quite so blatantly. Peter isn't, but I think we can take some of the principles that we've been talking about today in leadership is that, and Jesus addressed this for sure with the Pharisees saying, you're, you're leading the people into darkness. You're not leading them into light and goodness. 
And so um, the whole point of being a leader is <clears throat> shine the light. Yeah. Shine the light into what's true and good. I love the word. You know, normally, sometimes we get emphasis on words weird over time. Because he talks about the end of that verse you read. He talked about living in harmony. Often what happens is we can think of harmony as can you just get along and live in harmony? As in that's just the opposite of dissonance. So it's just you're not fighting. Can I just get you to fight? That's what harmony. It's like, no, no, no. Harmony. To not fight. Right. And harmony is so much more than that. It means you're actually doing stuff together with a purpose and you're each doing your it's own pleasing. part. Yeah. And the net result is it's good and pleasing. That's what being in harmony is. That's what the team is. The team is everybody needs to come together in their part. You know, is the bass the most important? Is the soprano the most important? It's like, well, they all need to be there for the harmony to exist. You know, you can say, well, the soprano is the melody or something. It's like, well, but without the support of the others, it's thin. It's missing something. There's, it needs more, you know, and that's the point of a team. You can't live with heart, with melody all the time in sound. There has to be some other sounds that go with it. Otherwise your ear turns off. Yeah. Your ear does not listen to one line of music for very long by itself. It, it, it gets the point and then it says, okay, I understand and I've got the timbre of this voice or I've got the, the, the tone or I've got the, the key or whatever. It needs something else to stay engaged. Mm-hmm. And so that's why harmony is actually very important. <clears throat> and it doesn't necessarily have to be like a three part chord or whatever. Harmony can be different timbres of a voice. Like I'm thinking about at school right now, um, uh, the the things that we're learning, the things I'm teaching the kids, uh, all the, for the most part, all of the boys and most of the girls are singing the same line. But because they all have different, you know, definitely you're in different octaves between the boys and the girls. Mm-hmm. There is a, it, it, it's a it doesn't just sound the same. Right. You know, the tone isn't the same. Uh, there's, there is a richness to it. So even though they're singing the same line and they're singing the same melody, there's differences enough in their voices that it does create a pretty harmony. Um, not in the true sense of the word, but in the ear catching part of the word. So this is good. Let's pull that all together. And we say, so our goal, let's just say whatever your team is, the family, the group, the organization, the marriage, the whatever, let's produce harmony which is all of us working together towards a common goal that we each have value. We each have a part and lead yourself first. Yeah. Lead yourself first. If you are not leading yourself into health, don't be thinking too many people are going to follow you into whatever it is you're doing because they're mm-hmm. not. Yeah. Cause we can see, <laughs> we get to see each other and go, uh, yeah, what you're doing is not right. inspiring fact, me to do what you're doing so that I can live in a in healthy fact, way. In fact, that's probably classic bad boss, right? Is the boss is not as competent or full. So he just doubles down on the telling other people what to do and clamping down on things and more yelling and stuff. And those are all just dysfunctional ways of saying, I'm not really leading you. I'm not really helping you participate. And it's it's just unhealthy. So, yeah, be healthy first yourself. And that means every way. Right. So, hey, I like that. 
I like that. Sure. I like that. So. All right. Well, guys, we, we hope that you are encouraged family. and that you feel like you uh, have a little nugget of truth to chew on for the week and talk to Jesus about and be uh, uplifted. All right. I am. <laughs> I got a thousand things running through my head. We're definitely not done with this conversation, but we will continue off the air. <laughs> we get lifted so up. So right. if you need to so. contact us for any reason, you can find us at grace.world on the interweb, on the internet, or you can actually email us at podcast at grace.world. Or if you want to call us, you can at one eight three three eighty five grace And we would love to talk to you. All right. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Happy Labor Day. We love you. Bye. Bye.